0: Hey you there come on take a break with us so what's in store for this break let's find out together here on it's your break welcome to it's your break I'm Jonathan Mertz and this is the first in a series of interviews I plan on doing to get people's experiences out there no matter what side they're on now One thing I'm going to tell you right up front is we're not going to promote hate, we are not going to promote inequality, and we're not going to promote injustice. Now, how am I going to do that? Well, I'll be moderating everything for one. Two, I am going to give a platform for people to be able to tell their story. Just like today's show, where Leo Mason is going to share his story of growing up as a black man in a rural Kentucky community, Some things you're gonna hear are gonna be eye-opening. It was for me, and I'm glad he let me talk to him. But in future conversations, we're not only gonna talk to people of color, we're going to talk with the police officers out there, and maybe even some politicians. We need to open the dialogue, we need to come together, and we need to treat people with respect, no matter where they come from. But we also need to have an understanding of where they're coming from in order to do that we need to talk to them and that's what i hope to accomplish with these series of interviews so coming up you're going to hear the interview i did with leo mason and if you want to watch the video go to our facebook page go to our youtube page you'll see it right there i hope you enjoy and i hope we can have future conversations It's Your Break will return, right after this. Hey, it's Bubba. And I'm here with Mertz. Thank you for letting me take over for a second. Not a problem, Bubba. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, Mertz, me and you have been sitting here for a minute, and um, our It's Your Break family has been growing, i said it once before. And uh, thank you very much for, for doing this whole project and getting it start off and starting running. And I'm kind of making it look good. Yeah, whatever. McGrape, how did you get in here? Yeah, I was sitting right across from you the entire time. We all have microphones. Yeah, he, he's got a point. Yeah, I do. That's why I do my McGrape's scrape of the moment. I sure your break podcast. It's a lot better than Bubba's. I don't know about that. Oh, hold on, hold on. If we're going to get into who has the best podcast... It's obviously me. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, remarks What do you mean, whatever? Without me, you two would not exist. You do have a point. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You got us this time. Anyways, check us out online at com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at it's Your break, And also subscribe to our podcast. Just search it's Your break inside of iTunes, and you'll see all of our podcasts Whether it's Bubba's, McGripes, or just the normal It's Your Break. And now, back to It's Your Break. Hi, I'm Jonathan Mertz, and I think right now is a very tough time for a lot of us. Um, It doesn't matter who you are, what background you come from, times are are tough. They are very, really tough. And I thought... I need to bring people in and have an open dialogue. So I have a series of questions I'm going to ask several people. And I feel that we need to have open dialogue on questions and topics that are going on. And I'm bringing in Leo Mason, a longtime resident of Henry County. And I think you've lived all your life in Henry County, haven't you? Yes. So, and Leo, thank you again. We've known each other for a very long time. You've known my parents for a very long time. Right. And uh, and I appreciate it. And what I'm going to do with these questions, Leo, is I'm going to ask them, because these are things I think everybody needs to know about and figure out how people tr- view, tr- truly view each other and how they see things. Because not everybody's going to see things the same way. And, and that's why I'm doing a series of conversations with people. And anytime any time, if you don't think these questions are the right questions to ask, tell me and then tell me what I should be asking. Because I'm here to be a part of, to be able to listen and learn just as well as anybody else. And if there's any particular question that you don't want to answer or feel, feel uncomfortable, we can just skip that too as well. Okay. So yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be kind of easy to go here. So, uh, you know, one of the big things, you know, it's obvious that when people see you, you are this charismatic person and for me, growing up, that's the person I've always knew. I haven't—I didn't care what your skin tone was growing up. It was always, you know, that's Leo. That—that's the guy. That always He's performing on stage. He's singing his heart out, and he is in, li- and, you know, just making this crowd come alive. And you know, I, it, it's sad to say that we have people that see things differently. But growing up here in in rural Kentucky. In in where you currently live now, have you ever faced prejudice or racism?
1: Yes. Uh, just to give a little background, because I could go on and on, but see, it's, it's, I don't know. A lot of people know, some don't. I was born in 1951. Okay, around here uh, in Henry County, racism was very, very real. Right. They, you're right. You're right. Uh, My dad was in the forefront of it, uh, and he put, and it was six of us kids. I'm the youngest of six, because since then I've lost three of my siblings, but my two oldest sister's dad put out in the forefront, because as we was growing up, we could not go into restaurants in the front door. We had to go to the back door to get our food if we wanted it, or if we got food, we had to get it in the front door and leave. We could not sit down. We had a drugstore here in town with, uh, you know, like the 50s, you know, they had a, the bar of stools with the ice cream stand and stuff. But we as blacks could not go into that drugstore and sit down and at the same time not wanted to be served. And of course, we always grown up at the black gray school, in uh, on King Street in here in Emmons, And uh, it was a struggle going back and forth for school because we had to walk from school. Suffer Avenue and Elmness to King Street Elementary. Well, there was uh, on a daily basis, uh, white students, white kids who were standing on the streets. And as we came by, we was uh, pretty much forced, you know, to get off the street. Uh, We was harassed, called names, but we lived through it. I think it's pretty much the fact that pretty much is that everything went on but the burning and the looting. Uh, Of course, blacks back then in this small town, we pretty much accepted it and, you know, moved on. We didn't like it. But, you know, uh, I thank God for parents that said, treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's what we tried to do. I mean, we were at the forefront. uh, But, you know, we and and, and it's paid off today. That's why I have no animosity. Uh, I my philosophy is I forgive, but I don't forget. And that's right. the way I stand right today.
0: You, you know, that is an interesting philosophy to, to have, to, you know, to, not to forget the past and, and to learn from it. I mean, that because if, if you forget it, you could say, well, uh, I never did learn from my, anything from it. And to be able to better myself or, or help somebody else better themselves. Right. And, and that's the way I see it. Is Are you seeing it the same way?
1: Yes. Yes. Sure am. Yeah.
0: S- so when you were faced with these adversities, um, you know, whether it's somebody calling you the N-word to your face or, or treating you uh, differently, how did you handle those situations from a young man to somebody that's an older person now?
1: Well, you know, it, it was pretty much a given uh, that we was going to be treated like that. We was told, of course, our parents told us that, you know, they never told us not to play with anybody. Just don't go into anybody, you know, the white people's houses, you know. Uh mm-hmm. and technically, uh Jonathan, we as, you know, this was a pretty athletic town, you know, we sports town. So if we was growing up, yes, it is. and, and yeah, I it must is. say, I must say a lot of the kids, uh the older kids that treated us because I was younger, you know, uh, you know, it was it was it was weird. But we got along pretty good. Well, as long as we was on, you know, the sports team we played, we got along fine. My my classmates, because I graduated high school in 69 and we still stay close together, stay in touch. Uh and a lot of and, and and to and to be honest, a lot of my classmates, white classmates, did not know what we was going through. Cause we would go to uh certain uh certain of our friends' houses in the backyard play football, play basketball, but we had to be gone when they're, before their parents came in from work. And that was the norm. <laughs> and that was the norm and we we kind of knew it and it, it, we had to accept it. And I live right, right where the high school is now. The football field used to be right across from mom and dad's uh house. So we could just we was right across the street. But they had those black tinted nets around the fence where we couldn't see the football game and uh we, yeah they had that that's where the football field the baseball field everything was right there but of course i can understand you know if you had to pay to get in so you know i guess they put those fences so we couldn't see the ball game free but it was it was tarped off where we couldn't and uh of course my brother-in-law and a lot of them they played on that field as i got older then you know because they built the new football field so I, didn't, I played on the old baseball field uh, little league baseball but then as, as I you know as, as time went on uh, because we had to stay at the black grade school to the eighth grade year and then we went to the high school well the only disappointment I had is they integrated to high school if you want to call it that and I had to leave it in my seventh grade year and go up there, well, the only disappointment I had, I didn't get to graduate from the, like all my sisters mm-hmm. and my brother did. Uh, I missed mm-hmm. out on my grade school graduation, but, you know, it's something else we had to deal with. But it was an upgrade, if if you want to call it that, but we were so far behind book-wise and learning, you know, we had to catch up quick, quick. and if you were slow and couldn't, we was in trouble. But uh, that was back in the 50s and 60s, that was the norm. Uh, it used to be when my sister then was in school, they would block off the gym black on one side and white on the other uh, if you if you you had a black queen you had to have a white queen, and it was those divides back in the day that it was you know it wasn't light, but we had to accept it so if it, it makes you grow up, it makes you grow up quick, and you can either let it get you down or uh, you can deal with it and grow from it. And um, and uh, most of my, I must say, most of us in this community, I mean, it left scars on a lot of them, but, you know, most of us accepted it. And, you know, I have, you know, it's its the, back then, That was the way it went. That's the way it went. And the thing about it, a lot of my band members that I have played with, you know, I've been in quite a few bands and went to it. And most of the bands I played in, I've been in a, the only black person in the band. I was telling them what we went through and they couldn't believe it. They just come dates you went through that, but they were sheltered. And, and I must say they were sheltered from, from what we was going through with. And, uh, they was around, they, it was going on around them, but they just didn't know it. And so, uh, and it was, they appreciate me a little bit more. I tell you, some of them, that's interesting. Played, some of the places I played in, I didn't think I was going to get out of <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I can only oh, imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. It, you know, especially if you're playing with Mike Wiseman and them. So,
1: yep, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I, this is something that that I never knew. I wish they would teach this. You know, the, the culture and what happened in, in Henry County in the school classes in, in Henry County, cause, right, man, it's it, it's interesting because. You know, you don't get to hear this, and, and, and even growing up, you know, when when I was in school, we were fully you know integrated, and we didn't right. think twice about about the kids. I mean, we, we live across, you know, there on Hillcrest. I mean, it, we were f- fully peppered down that street, and it, oh, yeah. it was so nice to have that. You know, that, that things. You know, Leo would uh, Lonnie would come over and play football in uh, the yard, football with us. I mean, I mean, it was you know we didn't think twice about it. But no. you go out in the county. You go out in the county and it's a different story because the city school, the, even now, you know, the independent school there and the county school, they're they're totally different atmospheres.
1: Yes. You know, back when we played sports, uh back when we played sports when it was coming up, you know, it wasn't the Bullet East and the you know, North Bullet, you know, it was Shepherdsville. And that was a highly prejudicial area. And sometimes we would have to dress on the we would have to dress on the bus before we could go on the football field because we weren't allowed to go in the locker room and stuff like that. and then we got called every name under the sun. so we just used that as energy and uh you know took it out on the players on the field. you know we just you know used we used that as energy. but <laughs> I thank God, I will say this, no matter what we went through in them, I do thank God I was raised up in eminence. Uh, this small town. Right. Uh, because no matter what went on, you know, it, it dissipated. It never went away, but it dissipated. And you know, and now Saint and and I say now. And of course, a lot of them have passed away, but some of the same ones that did what they did when I was growing up, I'm friends with now. And <laughs> it never comes. It never comes up. I don't bring it up up because there's no need. And uh, and you know, and I've always been taught this. Prejudice and hatred it's not it's not built, it's you're not born with it, it's taught to you. And then and and then if, if you you know, we was all raised up is, is all my all your parents can do is raise you to one point. Whatever happens after that and whatever you take up and whoever you with and you go that way, that's on you, you know. Right. And and I and I learned that a long time ago. So uh
0: you know, that was gonna be one of my follow-up questions is how do you instill your values to your children of color who who are going to be faced at some point, more than likely with statistically speaking, with some type of somebody treating them based on their skin color? I mean, how did you teach them how to handle things and hope that they would handle those situations?
1: Okay, I, you can believe I went through that, uh, and, of course, you know, I got a couple of mixed kids. And then, of course, I got mm-hmm. my oldest son, line. And uh, I would always tell them, you know, there's going to be adversity in life. And you don't have to accept it if you don't want to. But people are going to judge you by the way you hound what is thrown at you. You know, if you be nasty and go out and do what you want to do and do this, that, and the other, I don't care how you turn your life around. They're going to remember the bad things that you do. And and my dad, my mom, and dad taught us that. Said, you know, dad used to always say, if you make your bed hard, you got to live in it. And it took me took us a long time to realize what he meant. But as you get older, it comes to you, you know. So even though I mean I mistreated uh, uh, my kids, they went through some of the same thing. I didn't. I'm so glad they didn't have to grow up with what we grew up with, but I tried to explain it. I said, you're going, you know, it's a, it's, it's a part of life. Uh, they're going to somebody, it'll never go away. It's just how you handle it, you know, and, and you can either take your fist and fight with it. or kindness is one of the best things in the world to stop a lot of this stuff. I always told my kids that if somebody don't like you or they mistreat you, that's their problem. That's not yours. You just smile. Speak to them and go on, and that's what I—that's what I try to instill Of Because you know now, you know Jonathan kids don't play don't play that anymore. You know they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna take up, a, you know. And cause back in the day, oh, yeah. it was a lot of fist oh, fights done back when we was growing up. But kids nowadays, right. you know, they're gonna do what they gotta do.
0: Oh yeah, it, it, it is. You know, in, uh, you know, I can't speak on anything that you ever went through because. there's nothing I can say that would be remotely similar to probably what you went through. Although I do know how it is to be mistreated. I do know how it is to be viewed at a certain way when you don't have the same beliefs as somebody else. Um, You know, in in those things being, you know, looked at a different way, but when it comes to being judged on my appearance, you know, I really haven't had that problem. And, 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 and it's hard. And that's the reason I want to have these conversations because for me, not really ever going through those steps and, and and putting myself there. I mean, there's no way I can explain it or even right. try to uh, truly relate. You know, I can say, oh, I can kind of understand what you're going through. I can visualize it, but I can't really say that I've ever been through it or truly become an empathetic on it uh, because you can't really truly put yourselves in that situation. Um, right. You you know, you want to try to have that empathy. But, you you know, in, in a lot of these cases, you're only gonna be able to do sympathizing, you know, but you with your actions, you can show true empathy, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, on the street I, we was raised up on, called Avenue, like I said, right behind the high school. That was, a course, we had like Suffolk Avenue. We had uh, we called it Baptist Road then, but it was West North Street. And then you know the blacks had their areas where you know pretty much what's predominantly black. But down from where I lived on Suffer Avenue, there was a a lot of white families that lived down to it too. But uh they was treated pretty, you know, they was considered the lower class white, you know, whites that live. <laughs> so they lived down from us and they was mistreated, you know, just as just as bad as we were. And matter of fact. We, you know, we all played together. We didn't see, we didn't see color. Uh, we all, you know, I had hand-me-downs for five years, you know, from my brother for five years, you know. So uh, we didn't worry about seeing somebody dressed up. Sometimes we envied them because we, we would wish that we had it. But, you know, and, and I, and I look back and I felt just as sorry for those white uh, Caucasians, let me call them, friends of ours. That was being mistreated just like we were, just because they didn't have what the other neighborhoods had that you know they couldn't go to. And uh, my sister them, they would go and play with them, and their parents would have them to come in and eat, and you know, and uh, people would say, "Oh, you only eat in that house? You're gonna do that?" You know, that's the way we was raised up. <laughs> you know, and uh, oh, yeah. it, me, it really makes me, uh, you know, happy where I am now. I mean, I, I could have let it ruin me. Of course, you know my wife, and uh, right. a matter of fact, she's uh, your 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 mom's cousin, and uh, yes, so, it's true. Yeah, and so you know, I could. When we got married, man, my life was threatened. Uh, of course, that was still in the you know back, and that was in the 80s. And so, but but it still wasn't accepted, and it's it's still you know touchy touchy now, but. It, I mean, it's so much biracial stuff going on now. and It's just one of them things, you know. Oh, yeah. Go on. So, but it was. It was a learning experience. And I told Brenda, uh, you know, my wife the other day when all this brating and all of this, this stuff going on, I said, you know, the sad thing about it is it hurts because it brings back feelings of what. I was my man, the blacks in our community was raised up in, even though we didn't have the rioting and the looting and stuff. But the mistreatment that we had, uh, it just brought back memories. And it's looked like, and, and, and you know, you've probably heard it for years, it's a recycled thing. Look like ever, ever so often something comes back to the forefront. And what's going on now? Oh, yeah. and I don't go along with the rooting, the looting, and the burning, and all of that. That's not a part of a peaceful. You know, protest. But sometimes, sometimes you gotta take a hammer and hit something on the to hit a nail on the head for people to wake up. And I don't, I don't condone it. But you know,
0: you know, it, it, there, there, it, there, there is a parable in the Bible where, where. Jesus got mad of them trying to make profit and money off the church, so he flipped the table over. Now, that is him, and it wasn't the entire community doing it. It was him doing it, and he didn't steal any of the money. But you're right. Sometimes just to make people wake up, you have to have a little action. And I don't necessarily agree with the rioting and the looting, for sure, by any means. Um, But, you know, there are other things to get attention, you know, uh, that, that would make people wake up. Right. Um, and I'm glad you started to transition in that because that's where I'm going next because that is in the forefront, you know, right down the road in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, we had the Breonna Taylor thing, and then, you know, right. it, it's it's just – it's it's right in the, the thing of it, and law enforcement is the CK, you know the big thing that they're focused on. And, and as you know, law enforcement is established to enforce the laws governed by the cities, states, counties, and you know to the, the governments. Um, that's what they are. They're also a source of protection, but they're more there to enforce the laws when it's been reported or saw to be or sought to be broken. And I right. want to transition to some questions. What is your Current view of law enforcement in general.
1: You know, I, I <laughs> I'm in a
0: <laughs> and you can feel free not to answer these questions. I don't want to put no, you on, you know, put you in, a, no, in an uncomfortable I, I'm position. Not,
1: I'm in, you know, in a catch twenty two position. Back in the day, we had some pretty pretty bad law enforcement agency, and 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 Dad, you know, was part of being mistreated by them because he was heavy in trying to get the civil rights movement going around here for, for us to feel free. Uh, now, there's bad cops, and we've had them in illness, I'm not going to say, and there's good cops. And as you know, I've been on the city council now and here in an uh This is for 12 years. I can say right now, uh, because back, back then, most of the policemen were from this era, so they knew everybody. So we got treated pretty good, but some of them was which pretty pretty nasty, too. But police in general, they're between a the rock and a hard place, to be honest with you. Because there's good and bad in any organization. I don't care what it is. And one bad apple spoils it, and I've heard it all my life, spoils it, can spoil the whole basket. And the few bad cops that have done and doing what they're doing now has got these good cops now and in the position that they're scared to do anything. So first, right. Thing they are going do. They want to protect themselves. And I don't blame them because they got families and wives too. I don't agree with a lot of what everybody does. And I have seen some dirty police work. I'm not saying here, I've been into some of it myself. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, it's hard, you know, uh, some people are oh, you taking up for police? I'm taking up for the good police, you know, because we all right. need guidance. We all need, you know, we all need somebody. Cause first person we call, somebody breaking in our house, or we get shot at, is we don't call the police, you know. <laughs> we, we have weapons here at the house, but I don't want to use them, and I, I'm afraid that if I shoot my gun, then it backfire on me. But uh, it hasn't right. been used for so long, <laughs> right. you
0: know. It's just
1: it's a change. <laughs> It's a chance you take, I swear. But I gotta give our cops here the props. I know a lot of people in them just don't like them, uh, you know, because if they do their job, they're not gonna be like, you know, right. But uh, we, we, but we, I can say, and like I said, been on city council for 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 twelve years. I didn't run. I'm not running again this time. But uh, I can say the bad ones have gone, and we did out who I consider bad. But uh, you know, overall we got a good law enforcement agent here and I can't speak for everybody else. You know, I can't speak for any other community but mine. And uh because I don't want to say, oh, he's against police or he's for all the police. I'm just, you know, really wanna give our police department some props. And uh, I get along with them fine. I've had run-ins right with some of them and some of them still on the force, but you know, like I said, I'm a father first and a city official second. So, you know, some Sometimes they have to take up, and it's it was worked out, and and and, and still moved on. So, but you got to you got to stand up for yourself, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs>
0: I was gonna ask you know because you you, you kind of said that you had some involvement there, but I was gonna ask if you actually had any negative uh, experiences with the police,
1: yes. and,
0: uh, personally. So,
1: yeah, and I you kind of
0: went over that a little bit, and I didn't know if you w- w- wanted to explain any situation that you've, you you put yourself in that made you f- feel uncomfortable. Um, and then I would also like no, to actually, follow up with,
1: yeah, go, go ahead. On. Well, actually, uh, one I did. I've had a few bad experiences. But one that stands out to me more and, and, and the, you know, the police, I wasn't even on council, police was not even on the force now, but, you know, I always play music. Most of the time we play music out of town.
0: Mm-hmm. And a lot
1: of times that I would travel out of town, I would be by myself coming in late three or four o'clock in the morning. Cause you know how bars and and, and things are. And I'd be coming through town and I had a van with, um, at that time I was playing drums. So I had a, you know my drum set and everything in the back of my band and everything so i go through town i get stopped and I, was, and I was wondering and it was on the side street and i got thinking he said uh, uh and i got questioned and that's what i was doing out there late that's why i've been playing music and you can look at my band and then i heard one tell the other one he's okay i thought he was a mexican that hit that's me interesting. Fast, and it's still does. yeah <laughs> Yes, sir. And 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 at that time, Jonathan, you know, most Hispanic people was related to as having vans. And so I right. guess they thought I was out that late that it was a lot of us out doing something wrong, I guess. But I did hear that. And uh it just it just blew me away, you know. Damn they, you know. Whew. But and I've had a few other incidents, getting stopped coming in and and I got stopped coming. From Louisville one night playing, and I got stopped in Chevyville. And I swear to God, you thought i did done killed somebody. And it was cold, it was in the winter. And I mean, cops came from everywhere. And they looked at me and uh got me out of the car, stood me out there, gave me a breathalyzer test. Well, it didn't work. He said it didn't work. By the time all of that got started, I know it was six, seven police vehicles and state <laughs> police there. I'm standing out in the cold. He's waiting for other officers to get there so he could use their breath a lot of death. Well, after four or five tries, he got mad because none of them would blow what he wanted it to blow. And my wife told me for a left, don't you be drinking or anything because, you know, you're out of town. And, you know, thank God I listened to. Her. But he right. did follow me. He did follow me from the ramp off the expressway all the way to the radio station in Eminence and then turned around and went back. He just was waiting for me to make a barber and so, and that's just a couple of other incidents that I've had, and, uh, it's, they were part of life, you know, <laughs> some but it, it makes you leery, uh, it does, and I'm, you know, I'm still skeptical day, day, and now uh, of days now, and I don't go nowhere near what I used to go back in the day, I'm, you know, I'm at the age now, if I'm not playing music, I, it's, I'm mostly home with family, you know. It doesn't bother me to go anywhere anymore, so I'm pretty much stable.
0: If there was anything you could do with law enforcement to, to make them imp- improve, you know, the relationships with the communities or even how they proceed, and I know you may not know a whole lot about law enforcement, but just from an outsider's view, in you know, of what's going on, in your mind, say, is there anything that you say, hey, if they just did this, they might have a chance of getting through or or having better results?
1: You know, uh, and I know with our police, and I think it's probably with every police department around. Cause we basically we get this law, you know, this book every year, every two years when we run for council, they have a meeting in Lexington for all city councilmen, all law enforcement to come to. It's like a three day three day seminar, and uh, everything lawful, uh, I know, it, like, for example, you know, uh, Mary in Louisville and everybody's hollering for him to fire the cops, fire the cops. Well, you know, I didn't realize until I got on city council, you cannot fire a regular policeman. You can fire the chief of police, but you can't fire a regular cop. They, they have, It's a statute a state statute that in order for you to get rid of a regular policeman, he has to, you know, you have to have proof without the yin-yang. So what I was saying, I know ours go to a sensitivity class, how to deal with people, you know, what to do. And uh, I think what would help is, is ever so I don't have to be every month, maybe twice a year or something, the policeman have, you know, get the gym or something, call the community in and then and, and let the community ask questions. Right. Because I know as a councilman, I, I you know as a councilman, I get every time you go out. Well, why can't we do it? Why can't we do it? And I tell all of them, and I try, and I and I I do it because I say, come to the council meeting. It's open for everybody. I go to city hall. They have it's a thing called the open records law. They have to show you what's on those books, and if they don't, then the city can be sued. So, but our cops, I mean, you know, like I said, I do a good job, but they have to go to uh sensitivity classes every year. And then like I said, community meetings, you know, if the people got a great, right, you know, uh just it don't have to be every policeman, a police representative some to answer their questions. And I think that's one thing that, that could help. You know, I know for a small community, it's probably easier for somebody, but I know in Louisville, they do that sometimes. They have those community. Gatherings and, uh, and 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 have the community in certain areas to come out and and uh, express their uh, opinions and ask questions. So don't always work, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Leo, I, I thank you so much for coming on and helping me out. I mean, this hopefully lets people see a little bit more of what's going on and 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 to get other people's opinions and and personal experiences because that's really I think where it counts. Education is where it's at, right?
1: Well, I want to thank you for asking me to be on here. I hope I didn't rabble, rabble off too much. But, no, uh, you're good. I appreciate you having me on. And I I'm, 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 I just pray. I put, I'm, you know, at the point now, and I just, a lot of times I put things in the hand of the Lord. He, you know, I say, you know, something we just can't handle by ourselves. So, uh,
0: but I want to thank you again for having me. And I appreciate it, Jonathan. This episode of It Your Break was not a paid advertisement. Follow Jonathan Mertz on Twitter at Jonathan Mertz. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-M-E-R-T-Z. Follow It's Your Break on Twitter at Itch Your Break. Subscribe to the Itch Your Break podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio app. This episode of Itch Your Break was hosted, announced, engineered, edited, and produced by Jonathan Mertz. And it was recorded and produced at the Spark Vision Studios. All sound effects and music were purchased through Sound Ideas, Pro Sound Effects, iStock, and Spark of Vision. It's Your Brain is owned and distributed by Spark of Vision. Copyright It's Your Brain. All rights reserved.